Hey friends, just a heads up, this episode contains mature content. Welcome to our podcast. So nice to have you here. Uh, thank you. All right, Kareem, we have never met in person, so do you mind telling me a little bit about yourself today? No, I don't mind. Do you have anything you would like me to focus on specifically, like parts of my life, or you want me to just kind of go freestyle? Hey everyone, you're listening to another episode of Have You Met Aaliyah? And I use this podcast to speak to interesting people around the world about their lives. With Valentine's Day coming up, this month's focus is on the vast forms of relationships. And today's episode, we're going to find out what happens when a devout evangelical Christian, former pastor, father of two, and husband of 10 years, decides to completely shift his life in pursuit of intentional, conscious living and polyamory. My name's Kareem Manuel. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I run a lifestyle brand called the We Society. I grew up in Chicago after, and I was born in New York, lived in the South from like two to six or seven and moved to Chicago and lived there until almost 30. I was a devout evangelical Christian from the age of nine to 31. And I was a pastor for some time uh, from the age of 21 to about 30. I was also married during that time. So I was married for about 10 years and had two boys um, who are with me now and ended up getting divorced after what I consider an awakening in myself. The transformation and changes that I went through were too drastic and dramatic for the relationship to continue to morph with it. And so we we did do a conscious uncoupling, which was um, and still is really healthy and beneficial. I believe not without its challenges, but it was really good considering it was like the first type of conscious thing that I had stepped into. You know, I really like the term conscious living, especially when it comes to relationships and just how we choose to navigate through the world when we interact with other people. How are you living consciously or what are some of the other things that you've began to practice as a way of reaching consciousness? Exploring Tantra and kink and open relating and loving myself. And, you know, just really noticing how much fear was informing or the, the sole informant of most of my decisions that I've made in my life, um, including but not limited to like this conversation. And I just decided some years ago that if I was really, really afraid of something, I would just do it because I want to make my choices from love and not from fear. And I feel like my instincts and our instincts in this society in general have been tampered with to help keep us in line, keep us docile. I'm really glad that you made mention of navigating your life via love instead of fear, because I think so many people are controlled by fear and don't even realize that it's actually fear that has a hold of them in the choices that they're making or the choices that they're not making. So what kind of things are you exploring now? What does your life look like? What I do now is I do men's work. 
and I run this brand trying to help people discover and connect to the power that they inherently hold within themselves. Um, we are the ones we've been waiting for is the motto of our organization. Yeah, we just think that if everybody is loving themselves and living healthy lifestyles, when they come to the table to come together, we're a lot stronger. And that's kind of the mission of my life right now, besides raising these two beautiful black boys. This is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So you've spent a majority of your life dedicated to organized religion. And when you're dedicated to religion, you're also devoted to a higher concept, a higher being, a higher power. You're essentially living in pursuit of something else. And intentionally living for yourself kind of challenges those beliefs, in, in my opinion, that would challenge those beliefs a little bit. So what is your relationship to religion now? Are you still practicing or has it changed? How do you understand spirituality yeah, I'm not I don't really mess with organized religion. I think everybody needs what they need. Christianity was a great tool for me to get into you know, I call it the space between the mechanical and the mystical, the mechanics of like how my body works, you know, my bicep contracts and so my tricep uh relaxes and vice versa. And then the mystical, you know, that that space beyond like why things that we can understand. I think Christianity was great for that. And there are definitely still elements and tenets of the teachings of the Bible as I understand it, that I still feel like it's just a part of who I am and how I show up in the world. But I don't, I don't think that someone can organize religious thought for me and tell me how to connect to whatever higher power I am you know, engaging with or believing in. So yes, my religious beliefs and engagement has changed dramatically. I feel like I'm going to spend this entire conversation just amazed with everything that you're sharing with me right now. I'm curious though, did you ever imagine that this was in your future, that this was going to be your life? Because I imagine there were obviously a lot of conflicts and tensions and things on your mind. Like the fact that you're a father, that you're raising these two beautiful young boys there are responsibilities around you. So how has this all come together to affect your life and how you're living now? You know, having children does something to you when you're trying to, you know, you're deciding everything, their education, what they eat, who their friends be, or at least the choices and friend circle will be uh, where they're safe, where they're not. And in this land, in the United States of America, having black children, it can be one of the most traumatizing things you can do because I, I became starkly aware of how in danger they were all the time in so many different places and how hard it was to make choices with the lenses that I had on. Also, because of my intense work in the church and rapping and doing all that type of stuff, when Donald Trump announced that he was running for president, I knew he would win and I knew who would put him there. And it was my friends and the organizations that were paying me and that I was supporting. And that led me on a spiral to do more research about the history of the organization of the religion and not just the words, the translated words in a collection of books that we call the Bible. It was like, how did this come to be? When did this start? You know, those type of things. And that I didn't like 
what I found. And I still was trying to hold on because losing your losing your religion is not an easy thing to go through. You know, I was finding more and more courage within myself. I, w I never thought I would walk away. That wasn't my intention. But I was finding more and more courage to say what I really thought, to feel free enough to say what I really thought because where I came from was such a shame-based culture. If you didn't think correctly, perform correctly, do correctly, like they talk about in the four agreements, he talks about it in the very first chapter, just the dream state, the collective dream of your neighborhood, of your family, of your school. It's like all these places are telling you and teaching you from a baby how to perform within society. I was just getting tired of performing. And I remember January 3rd, 2017, I was sitting on the edge of my bed and I was I was meditating. I didn't know that that's what I was doing until much later. Uh, but I was just sitting and I was meditating and I there's no way else for me that I have words for to explain. I just felt like the universe, spirit, God just like gave me the codes to life. So this, this experience, this this moment that changed everything, what was that like? I can't even begin to imagine what that must have felt like. It felt like it took about 30 seconds. I felt like an outer body experience and when I came back to myself I told my wife at the time I told you know her she was the first one I told my friends like hey whoever I was died I don't think the same way I don't I'm not operating the same way I was 250 pounds I was on seven medications uh, that I had to take every day I had four surgeries you know my family was sick I went plant-based just cold turkey I lost 100 pounds in three months really easily i didn't join a gym i just changed my diet and started running every day for a mile but the energy i was in was just completely revolutionary for myself and so that's what happened it was just the illusion that i had constructed for myself could no longer stand and when it fell apart in the grief i decided that i would take the time to discover myself and now you know four years later absolutely amazing to listen to that i was transfixed just imagining what that feeling would be like the biggest change or i guess there are a lot of changes but maybe to an outsider like myself one of the biggest changes that i'm noticing in this is your stepping away from monogamy right i imagine that was a very conflicting thing to do and it probably introduced a lot of I don't know tension yes absolutely around it. with all of that in mind where did you learn about polyamory and diverse relationships because i feel as though growing up or surrounding yourself with a bunch of people who might have very different ideals makes it difficult to learn about the diverse relationships that are active in the world and probably makes us a little bit hesitant to actually practice those diverse relationships so how are you practicing now and where did you learn all of this the way i experienced it was very much like this person belongs to me and i belong to them and i remember distinctly with um my wife god bless her amazing woman amazing mom and my friends just feeling i remember them saying things like you're not allowed to think that because of the status that I was in, because I was whatever label that I was. And I just remember being so irritated. Like I'm not allowed to think something that I just, I disagree. And so now I consider myself open and free. I use 
polyamory because it's the most you know closely known or associated word for the way i choose to relate with other human beings but right uh right now i guess the best way is to say like yeah we're just open and free with love and honest communication i try my best with my partner or partners to create a container where we're safe to express ourselves our needs wants desires hopes dreams hurts pains um and then see what we can grow from there and i've learned a lot you know the more you open your heart to love or the more i open my heart to love the more i open my heart to the potential of heartbreak and sorrow but i i am i am determined to live my life to its absolute fullest and so feeling the depths of grief also means i get to feel the heights of the purest deepest love then it so far has felt like a great trade so you are now a polyamorous person and i know that you've made mention to me before that you are also interested in open relationships and i'm wondering if there's a difference or if there's a way to define open relationships versus polyamorous relationships or how would you explain them great question for me open is poly it fits under poly you know as many amory or more as love you know having many loves the mm -hmm. capacity to have many loves that looks different for any and everybody uh, which is part of the beauty of it so if you're in a relationship where it's two people but you guys are open to have uh relations with other people that's poly um you know then there's polyamory that is polygamy where it's a husband with multiple wives or polygyny which is a wife with many husbands and then there's all types of stuff in between with triads quads my favorite style theoretically is kitchen table so all of my partners should be able to sit at a kitchen table and have a meal and all of their partners and there's terms for that but it's like everybody should be able to at least be in the same space for a meal at some point uh, i'm not a big fan of the don't ask don't tell type but you know whatever works for you as long as there's consent and trust that's fine but that's not my that's that's not the type of life I'm trying to lead. I want to be as open and as free as possible. So those are those are some of the styles that I've explored. I'm sure though there were some struggles. There still are. <laughs> <laughs> it's still So yes. <laughs> those transitionary struggles, what were some of those? And I guess like now your conflict resolution and every day as you're moving through these different relationships your emotional intelligence all of it is growing yes so i guess the proper question is what have you learned thus far in these last few years it's so it's so <laughs> many things i would say to start with the struggles the struggle first was trust of myself because i had spent mm -hmm. my entire life being told that i'm supposed to relate to someone in one way and then getting conflicting messages about that um even it was hard for me to know my own voice uh so as i'm you know getting coaching or i'm reading books or i'm out and dating and trying to engage just knowing my own voice in my own heart and my own desire versus someone else and then because i was married for so long and very you know i felt like we were very good at it the old patterns of doing something for someone else primarily um 
even though that's not what I want to be doing, that came up a lot. So just old conditioning, old patterns. So my mind will be somewhere, but my training, my conditioning would still be back in the past. That was hard. And so I've learned that if I'm going to have a healthy relationship, it's not just trust of the other person that I need to have. I need to trust myself that I'll stand up for myself, that I'll speak my truth, to speak my mind, speak my heart in love, learning how to engage with someone or something and not be attached to the outcome, to not have to have some type of guarantee of something even tomorrow, but to really appreciate this moment for what it is has helped an awful lot and has led to some really beautiful moments because I'm not holding on to trying to make sure that you'll be here tomorrow or that I'll be here tomorrow. Those are some of the biggest ones, not letting things build up. If something's bothering me or if I sense something's going on, being able to like dive in and share it, like holding the truth higher than holding any person's position in my life, I guess would be like my, my top things that I've learned so far. I have never been in a polyamorous relationship myself, so I'm wondering how many partners do you personally tend to have at the same time? I don't know. As many uh, as many as my life can support, I guess. And I don't mean support like, um, I know what you're asking, so I'm not trying to be evasive. <laughs> I don't have a number. Typically, it's been between zero and three um, because I'm very committed to my business and my children at the moment. And I, like my life is on a trajectory that I'm really happy about. So people can come and go kind of quickly. Like we can figure out really quick if this is going to be a thing or not. But if somebody's here, it lasts for a while and we go from there. And so, yeah, so far it's been like between zero to three. Wow. The fact that you said that you only have between zero to three because of your role as a father and your business is amazing to me because I don't keep any relationships and I feel like I do far less work than you do. So um, <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> How do your children interact with your partners? How did you first speak to them about that? So my children are, I homeschool. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and like you always have. This isn't just a COVID thing. You've always homeschooled. I was homeschooling a year before COVID started. Okay. So we've always tried to put them in better positions for them to live. And so we've done Montessori and Charter. Now we homeschool from an African perspective. So world history through an African lens and not just a Eurocentric lens. Uh, like tonight we cook dinner, but we're learning math uh, while we're cooking. How do we do conversions? So they're, you know, they're, we're really hands on. And so when it comes to sexuality, because I'm creating a lot of this on my own, <laughs> like there are some books and things out there, but like a lot of it is just intuition. I talk mm -hmm. to them. We just have conversations. And so I remember uh, I was watching some show and I watched a couple episodes ahead and a, a young man kisses another boy. And I thought about, should I let them watch it? And then I checked myself, like, what does that in me that wants them to not see it? And so, because I was leaving, they were going to have to watch it on their own and we weren't going to be able to talk about it. So I just told them the next day, I was like, look, you guys can keep watching this show, but there's going to be a scene where a boy kisses a boy 
do you guys know what that's called? And they were like, yeah, that's homosexuality. And I was like, right, if a boy or a girl likes the same sex. And then they were like, no, if it's, a, if it's girls, that's lesbianism. And if they, like, <laughs> if they like it all, that's bisexual or pansexual, depending. And I was like, okay, I'm late. <laughs> I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down and teach me. <laughs> what What do you know? What are we talking about? Yeah, so I love, I and mean, we had such a good conversation, and we have conversations. And so, so far, what I've said is that as an adult, I'm, I'm able to discover what works for me and relationships are great mirrors to help me see things I really love and things that I need to work on. And I'm trying to be loving and really loving. And we talk about what loving means to all of humanity, but there are going to be certain humans that come into my life that I'm going to love in a unique way and in a special way for a sustained period of time. And that's about as far as we've gotten right now, because like if I ever got to the point where somebody was gonna like be in my life for a long time, like their mother was, I think we would have to have a different conversation and I need to talk to their mother. So those are, those are some of the things I'm thinking through right now. So you still have a really good relationship with your ex-wife? Yes, we work on that. That was part of the beauty of the conscious uncoupling is going through the work and, and seeing that like it wasn't personal, although it feels personal because you're so invested. So we, we live about seven minutes from each other right now. I first we, became we aware of the concept of conscious uncoupling at the so beginning of last been a little year and have really so tried to explain it to people. But I'm wondering, how would you explain back to conscious uncoupling? Week, you know, with me, then they're with her. We've known each other for most of our lives. So, yeah, we have a good relationship. your lives when they were once entwined together um and mm -hmm. that doesn't remove the pain from coming up or the shame or the guilt right feeling like a failure sometimes but it does at least for for me it does give a really beautiful framework of how to deal with those things um and to walk away in love or, or send somebody on in love and not in um anger and grief and resentment which happens when you're not conscious you know you want somebody to be something for you they can't be what you want them to be or whatever you're attached to and so now you resent them or you're bitter and you're angry because they were supposed to be x y and z for you as opposed to letting them be whatever they actually are and giving thanks for however they can show up in your life uh, we just end up being angry so conscious uncoupling is the antithesis of that is to say i'm aware we can no longer live in a unified fashion in this way. We must separate ourselves from how we were, but we we're going to shine the light of our awareness and love on this so that we can untangle in a healthy and loving way and not rip apart or break up as uh, we say often. It's not a breaking and it's not a tearing. It's a untangling.
I really appreciate the way you explained conscious uncoupling and I completely agree with you. It's not a break, it's not a tear, your relationship isn't falling apart, it's just changing. You're renegotiating how you're going to know one another and you're finding a way to work together so that you can be the individual people that you're becoming because you cannot always grow with somebody in the same way. Sometimes you just you grow apart, you become different people, you have different interests. It's the course of life, it's just who we are as people, so to expect that the person you're with is always going to stay the same person that you met all those years ago and they're always going to be able to provide for you in the exact same way and you're always going to have the same needs it's almost a little bit ridiculous especially because of the things we have access to in the world right now and the curiosity that we could definitely entertain but more than that just the idea of caring for ourselves has become a lot more important i believe so i i appreciate the way you explained conscious uncoupling i i completely agree with you where did you i guess where did you first come into contact with even like the term gwyneth paltrow okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm a jay-z i'm a jay-z fan i probably know every jay-z verse from his second album on uh reasonable doubt missed me but everyone on and he was really good friends with chris martin and so when they were splitting up the term conscious uncoupling came into my awareness field and so i didn't know what it meant i looked it up i wasn't interested in a conscious uncoupling at the time but when i realized my marriage was no longer serving me and that all the all of the efforts that i was trying to get it to serve me somehow or or serve her or us were failing i needed something and like a seed it kind of just sprouted up and i'm super grateful because i feel like i'm a conscious parent and teacher i remember she got she got irritated one day because you know nathan was looking at something inappropriate on his ipad and i came over with a book about conscious parenting and we like read a chapter together and she was like is everything we do conscious now i was like well everything i do is (laughs) (laughs) that's my goal i don't want to be unaware i love that Can you tell me what exactly conscious parenting is? Or give me an example of conscious parenting. Yeah, that's a great question. So like the conversation I'm having with my boy. So when he's looking at something that is not age appropriate and safe for him, instead of doing what I have been raised to do, which is scream and yell, punish, shame, you know, shame the desire, shame the curiosity, shame you know, all these things, I just talked to him and said, I totally understand why you want to see this. You're changing and it feels good. It's amazing to look at. The curiosity is there and you have every right as a human to want to know about these things and to explore these things relatively soon uh, because of the, the age that he is. Like your body is yours, your sexuality is yours, all these things. At the same time, I am your parent and I'm telling you that this is too early for these images and these concepts, that there is a way to go about it that is healthy and honoring to yourself. And I'm here for that. And so now we have, even today, we had a really good talk about a girl he likes and you know what's happening to him. He's talking to his brother who just interviewed about what's gonna happen to his body. And it's because we keep an open and honest line of communication. And I don't ever bring shame to the table or no, because I said so. Um, even like I'm vegan and they're vegan, but they know when they're 14 and 15 years old 
they'll get to choose their own diets because it's important for them to practice choice and what they want in their own lives. So right now they eat plant-based because I'm plant-based and I tell them, I hope they see the benefits of it, but they're going to be loved no matter what they choose. And they should have time, even as children or as younger than what we term adults, choosing for themselves what comes into their life and how they experience their life in the world. To me, that's conscious parenting. Thank you for sharing that. I know that there are going to be some parents interested in conscious parenting. I've had conversations with other people on this podcast who were a bit unsure on how to navigate things like this. So I'm really happy that we were able to address this term of conscious parenting so that we can introduce it to other people. How has your family been in regards to these changes? Have they been receptive? Has your family dynamic shifted? How are you interacting with the people that you were always closest to amidst all this change? It's been changes in a lot of my family based on the changes that I've made and the happiness that I've discovered and the health and the way I can manifest things. You know, people have a lot of questions and not just my family, the same friends (laughs) that were talking so bad about me around their dinner tables and you know, all those things now call me up to ask for advice. And my instead of being like a proselytizer and a, a evangelist for anything, I really am just living my life to its fullest capacity that I can tap into today. And I think that light is shining where, you know, some people are turned off by it and that's fine. And other people, what I get most of the time is like, you just seem so free. And so happy, like, how are you doing this? And I can't give a program. I don't want to give a program, but I can help people shed whatever's in the way of them discovering themselves and how they want to move. You mentioned earlier that you practice Tantra and kink. And I'm wondering if you can explain that a little bit more for people who might not be familiar. Tantra to me is pleasure. So it is, it is the practice the, the like the practice of of pleasure it's a spiritual practice of connecting your body your mind and your soul all into one alignment for your highest pleasure or your highest good it isn't solely or primarily even about sex but sex is a human function and a spiritual function i believe and so that becomes a part of it kink is non vanilla sexual desires or appetites and vanilla is just like basic i'm not i'm not being offensive when i say basic i just mean the type of sex you think of if you're watching a movie you know or a show and things are getting hot and heavy and they're about to go to the room and you imagine them having sex like that's vanilla in this in our world kink is anything outside of the normal kind of established um paradigm of sexual relating i'm definitely no expert on tantra i'm pretty sure that it is a part of buddhism and hinduism so i'm wondering if you practice those religions or if you're taking parts of these religions the way you've mentioned that you take phrases or practices from other religions and you find the things that work for you bring them together to kind of create your own holistic spiritual self is that what's happening here yeah, that's a. Mm, you're really good at these at these questions. Um, <laughs> the Buddhists say everyone's Buddhist. 
mm-hmm. you know okay whether you acknowledge it or not by the living you are a buddhist how you know um so no i'm not i'm not taking from any other religions intentionally the way i even view religion is there were humans like i am a human living at a time period where they were trying to understand and explain what they think they understand to people around them uh what spirit was what the unknown is what god is what creator is and i feel like that is an ever evolving morphing um experiment and so yeah i take from everywhere what makes sense and some things are just going to cycle around and around because the core truth of it doesn't change no matter what language i'm speaking or what year it is but yeah in terms of tantra it's like i i don't practice hinduism or buddhism but every buddhist i know says i'm such a buddhist (laughs) (laughs) and that's just how it goes and for me the practices that i do take are the things like i got eye gazing connecting to the breath so much of our fear is in our breath one example is like um if you've ever been startled if somebody's ever hidden behind something that jumped out at you you know when you get startled you take a short breath you go (gasps) uh because you're afraid that's the breath of fear and that's where a lot of us breathe every day we just breathe shallow short breaths and then when you realize it's just your friend or when you realize when you dropped your phone it didn't crack or whatever it is that that took your breath away when you're relaxed into it you normally breathe a nice long sigh of relief you go that's the breath of comfort that's available to us all the time and tantra helps me to tap into that so i just practice whether i'm with a lover especially like we'll just sit and we'll just look at each other and breathe in deeply like slow and deeply and so sex or intimacy begins much much earlier than any type of penetration you know we call it friction-based sex where like the only type of sex we know is like we're just rubbing things on things my uh amina one of the things she said that really blew my mind she said most people aren't having sex most people are just masturbating with another body it's like that person is just there to help get them off and i thought that was so true like that and that is not the type of intimacy i want to have and so yeah tantra just helps me breathe that breath of calmness no matter where i'm at if i'm in the grocery store if i'm in the bank if i'm in the middle of an argument i don't have to breathe short i can have pleasure even in this moment and feel relaxed and feel calm and in control and that helps me in the bed or wherever else we're, we're doing it this might sound a little weird, but I am sitting here listening to everything you're saying and I'm having little like revelations as you're speaking. I'm learning so many different things and you're literally changing my perspective on things as we're conversing. This I'm also a bit curious. When you first meet somebody, how do you tell them that you are polyamorous or tell them about your lifestyle or how do you find people who practice the same things that you practice i have learned i tell people from the very first conversation you slide in my dms we're going out (laughs) it's like you're gonna find out very fast i am poly and i'm kinky (laughs) and you know if you run away it's like great but oftentimes people are so mesmerized just by the sheer by the honesty and not having you know not being played around with that even if that they weren't involved before they're at least interested to know like what what i get from it so that's how i found my partners obviously there are apps and 
websites to be on but for the most part i mean the person i'm seeing right now i met on the on a plane on the way home from a men's retreat i was facilitating and she was sitting across the aisle and she pulled out a book that i love uh, the power of now by eckhart tolle or maybe it was a new earth by eckhart tolle either way i the book is what attracted me and then we started talking and you know one thing led to another and we don't even live in the same city so yeah so, wow. so i just say being open and honest i don't chase i respond i'm magnetized so things come to me life comes to me there are ways i mean i've learned about different things there are different trainings and things especially in atlanta atlanta is really blessed to have a lot of educational courses so i've taken online tantra courses there's a woman named amina that runs atl tantra even though she lives in hawaii now which i just came back from she's been a great teacher for me about just sexuality about love about tantra and kink mixing the two together for me there isn't a, a separation between like spiritual and earthly like it's all sacred so i don't know i meet people there and that's kind of it i never i haven't really ever thought about it till you just asked me that question but yeah i just live my life and as people come into it they just find out where i'm at i imagine it's probably like talking about this at the start of everything i guess like when you first started this journey to now is, has obviously changed but i imagine sharing these things is still a little bit difficult like you can be comfortable with yourself and with your life and have this really like beautiful stasis but you can interact outside of that comfort and still like hinder absolutely um especially when i worry about what people might think about me or my children or you know inviting people feel invited to share their opinions with me even if i haven't asked them and how do i want to deal with that so sometimes it's just easier to not open up and engage because then i'm not having to deal with the dissonant frequencies and vibrations that come from being so bold but i'm just tired of that you know again i'm not trying to change anybody's mind but i don't want to not be able to share my own especially if i think it might be helpful so when i saw this opportunity i everything in me was like no and that's when i knew it had to be yes how has your mental health changed through all of this so yeah the first thing i did was get a therapist i thought i, I thought i was going crazy my friends thought i was going crazy but i couldn't deny what i was thinking or feeling so i remember saying to um my ex-wife because she was like you know you're you're the one who went crazy because I, I was asking for us both to go to therapy and i was like well if i'm crazy shouldn't we learn how to deal with it because <laughs> <Like>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, i because i was what i was and and maybe i was crazy so the way my mental health has changed is i've learned so many tools to be able to observe myself better and deal with myself better i am not unconsciously living i am not running around reacting all of the time to whatever comes into my orbit and thinking that it's fine and wondering why my life is in places and positions that i don't want it to be in i now can see when i'm in a cycle with someone you know if i'm playing the victim if i'm playing the accuser all that type of stuff i'm much calmer i'm able to breathe and relax and to myself i feel comfortable in my skin which is really really important i just don't feel anxious all the time i'm not i'm not 
yeah, I'm just not stressed, which feels really incredible. And it's, and it's shocking to me sometimes, especially in the pandemic, when I run into someone who is stressed out, often people are mad at me for not being stressed out. And it's not, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not that I'm not aware of how heavy some of this stuff can be. I just, yeah, my mental health now, I'm not, I'm not performing for anyone else. I'm, I don't have to be anything for anyone but myself. And I'm even open to changing that. Like whatever I decide to be today could change tomorrow based on what I uncover about myself. There's a beautiful, beautiful book called The Way of the Superior Man by David Dida. And he talks about a man, you know, as he pushes to his core purpose of what he's truly here to do, he's going to burn off these karmic energies that you normally put on yourself when you're a child like you're young you're like oh i'm gonna be a singer or a basketball player or whatever and you pursue that pursue that pursue that and normally what happens is you pursue it and realize that's not me and so you take it off and then you end up doing something else so for some people it's drugs it's women it's money it's it's all these things for them to get to their core and i just feel like i'm on a journey to my core and my mental health you know i stand up for myself and without really any aggression necessary, unless you call for it, um, I just feel stable. I feel really aligned with myself and able to respond to whatever happens in like the most powerful, peaceful way, which is completely different than who I was before. Absolutely amazing. Again, in uh, the ability to change so much but to be conscious of that change and welcoming of it i think is a very very important thing like I, I believe a lot of people don't they realize that they're changing and they don't like it they're uncomfortable with it or they resist the change for the exact same reason but to embrace differences to embrace yourself becoming a different person and being okay with it and then learning to care about that person and then extending that care to the people around you is such a massive example of just deep emotional intelligence and mental awareness and like you keep saying consciousness so thank you if You're i welcome. if i could read this it's a short short three sentences um, sure it's chapter 12 and he says be willing to change everything in your life a man must be prepared to give 100% to his purpose fulfill his karma or dissolve it and then let go of that specific form of living he must be capable of not knowing what to do with his life entering a period of unknowingness and waiting for a vision or a new form of purpose to emerge these cycles of strong specific action followed by periods of not knowing what the hell is going on are natural for a man who is shedding layers of his karma into his relaxation into truth and I feel like that man can go for humanity. But that's that's how I am hoping to live. It's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on sometimes, but that's okay. When, you know, I'm not scared of the unknown. Oftentimes, I'm scared of losing what I do know, even if I don't like it. I'm just scared of losing the known because I know how to be there. But I'd rather be in the truth in the unknown, especially if it's going to help me be like the best me. You know, it's really interesting. We will navigate this life in such different and diverse ways, but we will take 
skills with us that we might not even realize we're carrying with us. And I'm sure you're aware, but just listening to you speak, I could hear the years of being a pastor in the way you present your discussion and the way you essentially just like you're preaching and you're teaching me all of these different things and you have this presence and though we're in different places you have a commanding presence you have this ability to change the way people think to inspire the people around you and this conversation has been nothing short of inspiring and just shaping and perspective altering it was very wonderful to learn all of these things about you so thank you again for taking the time to share this with me and we are getting to the end of our episode Kareem. so i'm wondering with everything we talked about all things considered what advice you would give to your younger self i would say you know kareem love yourself like mm -hmm. actually take the time to learn yourself and love yourself love how you show up love what like what sets you on fire what turns you on what excites you and invite more of that into your life i would tell them not to put other people and things or ideas on pedestals and give all that love away without making sure that it's also coming home first i would tell them to be open that his emotions his views on the world his thought processes are not the truth they may feel true to him but they're just they're just informing him about what he cares about in the world and where he is and that if he could be open to really seeing and hearing from other ideas principles strategies ways of life worldviews like the whole world becomes a playground and not just the little patch of earth he calls home. Yeah, and the more the more love and gratitude that you give, the more love and gratitude comes back. It, it doesn't run out. You can't. It's like one of the, some of the only resource that the more you use it, the more of it you have to use. And so, don't be selfish with it. Wow, beautiful. That was uh, like a million dollar piece of advice. <laughs> And to one of the last things that you said, when you're giving out love, make sure it is coming back home. I don't know, maybe that line is just resonating with me personally, but I think that it was such a powerful thing to say and everybody needs to hear it many times. When you are giving out love, make sure it is coming back home. Once again, thank you so much, Kareem, for chatting with me today. I really appreciated it. It was a beautiful conversation. I wish you nothing but the best as you move forward. And I know that we're coming up on Valentine's Day and this February 13th, you are leading a yoga session, your first digital yoga session, which will become available online after the live session. But can you tell us really briefly what's gonna happen in that session? Partner yoga and Tantra going into Valentine's. So just how we do some of the things I was speaking about, breathing together, eye gazing, different positions to do that just help connect the heart and connect the body together before you even, you know, enter inside. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Everybody, if you are interested, you can check out Valentine's Day Vibes on Kareem's Instagram page at Chief Kareem. You can also visit Lauren Shields or WeSociety.co to sign up.
I'm Aliyah Aluma. Thank you for listening. 